Hello, creepy crawlies, and welcome to Spooky Season. Now, on today's episode, I've got quite a bit of offerings. I have a little bit of supernatural, a little bit of creature, a little bit of Western in there, and I got some uh, books that I'd like to recommend as well. So stay tuned for a packed episode. Now, before I get started, I wanted to mention, uh, of course, Spooky Season exists in all of us that are horror fans all year long. Some of us watch horror all the time. Some of us live and breathe through horror books, horror movies, TV series, comic books, apparel, games, board games, video games, all of that. It's a lifestyle, right? So for us, when we hear spooky season out there, it may apply to some people that don't experience that all year long. But I'm excited as a communal experience that we're all getting spookified. We're putting out pumpkins, putting out decorations, and feeling into the vibe of the season. And for me, Halloween season starts September 1st and it ends November 3rd. You gotta get Dias de los Muertos in there as well. So, all right, so enough about that. It's been about a month since I last uh, dropped a bomb of horror on you, and I'm going to be dropping quite a bit in the next couple of uh, weeks because of all of the awesome stuff that we got coming out. I, I was privy to a screener for a movie that's going to be dropping uh, with Fathom Events this week at the time of this episode, if you're listening, on September 21st. So if you're looking for something uh, a little off the cuff, want to support some indie horror, um, Check out Shib Shaky Shivers. So I'm going to read the press release. The, and this is the descriptor. The 80s inspired creature feature is the directorial debut of Fast and Furious alum Song Kang and will feature an introduction from Kang ahead of the film. So Fathom Events, like I said, is releasing. It's a horror comedy hybrid. Um, it's a one night event, September 21st. It is inspired by 80s creature features. Frightening and funny, the film puts the camp back in summer camp. After finding herself bitten by a mysterious animal, Lucy becomes convinced that she will transform into a fearsome werewolf. Joined by her best friend Karen, the two embark on a wild adventure filled with magic and mayhem as they look to do battle with a throat-slashing creature ripped right out of an 80s horror movie. During the peak of the COVID pandemic, Kang, the director, made a career shift from blockbuster action films to the realm of horror directing and created Shaky Shivers as a tribute to his most beloved 80s movies of his youth. So what I, uh, what I think of when I watch movies like this is you can tell the makers, the writer, the director, the special effects people, the actors, everybody's wearing their heart on their sleeves. And so I appreciate that. Um, is this a movie that is going to appeal to everybody? Probably not. Uh, but I think, you know, some of you out there will, will dig it. I think you'll get something out of it. Um, it has sort of that, um, that camp 
uh, vibe to it. Uh, some of the dialogue is kind of fun and light, and there's some characters in it that uh, you'll find kind of grating, and it's for a reason. Uh, some of the special effects are really cool and obviously really hammy because it's taken from that 80s-inspired, um, you know, plastic mask kind of prosthetic look. Um is this a movie that I would own? Probably not, but I am glad that I got to check it out. And uh, I found it kind of fun. And I and I tried to stay for all of the credits. And I really dug the the score and the music at the end. And it, it's cute. It's a very cute seasonal effort. And I, I, I want to recommend it. So I think you should check it out uh, if you're looking for something light, cute, got a little bit of gore in there, uh, got some characters you want to root for. And it's overall pretty fun. So uh, check out Shaky Shivers for the one night event only. And more than likely, it's going to come out on physical media and streaming. So you can look for it there when it's available. All right. So so going in the opposite direction, there's a lot of mainstream horror releasing in this month of September. And of course, in October, You've, you're getting hit by, you know, big blockbuster horror movies. You're getting hit by indies. Um, you're getting hit by everything in between, whether it's, you know, TV streaming, uh, physical releases. There's a lot of physical releases coming out now from the summer of horror movies. Um, so you get a lot of stuff coming at you. Uh, this movie particularly uh, is one that I think I've heard out in the social media atmosphere, uh, The Nun 2. I've heard from a lot of people that they enjoyed it quite a bit more than the first movie. Um, some people disliked this movie heavily and they made their frustrations known, uh, you know, in all the circles. Um, I I actually did like this better than the first movie. Um, I enjoy the first movie. It's actually one of my favorite Conjuring verse movies. I think it's, you know, it's it's kind of light and a little bit like harkens back to those Hammer Horror British uh, horror movies uh, from the 70s. So I, I dug The Nun. I thought that, sure, could it have used some character development? Absolutely. Uh, I think you get some more character development in The Nun 2. I think it's got a lot more of a kitchen sink approach to the narrative. There are lots of things happening as far as there's characters introduced, there's the nun popping up, there's these supernatural slasher elements, there's a creature horror element to it. Um, and it's it's boastful and it's big and it's it's a large production and yes, there's CGI. Yes, there's practical effects. So it, you can tell there's a lot of moving pieces in this. And I think that's why I like it. And I think mainly because even though the screenplay wasn't written by Akilah Cooper, the story is, and you can tell that Akilah Cooper, who also famously wrote Malignant, um, you can tell that there are some quirks about it that, that seem like they were from her, that, that everything is, um, kind of crazy and chaotic with some unexpected happenings. Um, so I dug that out of this movie. And this is directed by Michael Chavez, who gave us uh, The Curse of La Llorona. And he also gave us The Conjuring 3, The De Devil Made Me Do It, um, which I liked both of those. And I did quite enjoy this one, uh, like I said. Uh, this one has done particularly well in movie theaters. It's been number one for two weeks in a row now. And uh, it's made quite a bit of money, so I'm sure there will be a part three or there will be a spinoff. Who knows? Um, so what's this about? 
1956 France, a priest is violently murdered and Sister Irene begins to investigate. She once again comes face to face with the powerful evil. So the evil Valak, essentially, I think is described as this, uh, this demon, this collection of serpents or whatever, like this marquee of serpents, I believe it's mentioned in the first movie. I'm still not clear what actually Valak is, like what does it look like? Is it a serpent? Is it sort of a, I mean, there's there's some scenes in this where, you know, Sister Irene is looking through a book with new character Deborah. Um, and so it kind of shows a picture of what uh, Valak looks like, uh, but it's kind of ambiguous. And I like that it's the defiler. So it's taken on the guise of a nun. Um, it also takes on the guise of things that are psychologically part of a character, whether it's a altar boy um, or whether it's this goat man, which is featured in this in this movie and uh, in a very awesome way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this one plays up on Valak embodying different evils. So I did like that about this. Um, and I also love Bonnie Ahrens. And uh, I, I think, you know, that likeness that she has for the nun, I think, is just so iconic and um i recently read that she uh, and and she has lawyers that are suing warner brothers because they've used her likeness to a certain extent that um, she's not getting paid and so um along with the ongoing strikes in hollywood this is just another example of um how a person's likeness can be exploited and so you know when you think of the nun from this verse whether you like the nun or any of it, you think of Bonnie Aaron's look. And so, you know, it's like pay your workers, pay your performers. And um, could someone slip into that role as the nun? I don't know, maybe. Um, us horror fans know that, you know, our slasher icons and our horror icons out there have been played by some numerous characters and character actors. So, uh, but essentially, um, you know, Bonnie Aarons is the nun, and you get to see some really cool elements, close-ups of her in this. Um, you know, if, if there's any complaints about this, I think uh, it would have been nice if uh, maybe there could have been some, a, a clearer understanding of, okay, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, the, the, there is an item that needs to become uh, in possession in this movie, like the first movie. So, uh, or like a relic is kind of involved, I guess. And so I guess it it seemed because there was this kitchen sink approach that there were so many moving pieces that that maybe this just kind of added one more element that was like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of kind of a little abstract. And what does this entity need this for again? So, you know, again, um, not going to be the top of the year by any means, but I had a lot of fun with it. Pretty entertaining, big budget uh blockbuster horror movie out of 10 i would say it was probably like a seven out of ten for me um the first one's probably like a seven out of ten for me as well so they they both have their faults they both have lots of things about them that i enjoy and uh, i'll easily probably pick this up uh, when it comes out on blu-ray so go check it out in the theater and get into the new line cinema uh horror of it all 
All right. So another movie that I recently got to check out on Shudder, this was a streaming drop. Uh, it dropped on September 1st and it's called Perpetrator. And uh, this is by Jennifer Reeder and it is, uh, it's got some interesting elements to it. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't watch a trailer before. I caught this, so that's always nice. Um, and you know, if this is on AMC Plus, if you have Shutter as well or don't, um, you can watch it on Roku, Amazon Prime. Um, but this stars Alicia Silverstone, and this is the main reason I wanted to watch this. I like to watch anything she's in, and she is a genre queen, right? Like she's been in some, um, you know, The Crush, The Babysitter. Uh, she's been in it. She dips her toes into the horror. Uh, she was also the mother in the lodge uh, in a short cameo. So uh, I love Alicia. I like any movie that she's in for the most part. Um, this also stars um, Kaya McKernan, Kashmir Jolette, and Chris Lowell, Tom Hooper. Uh, what's it about? Well, reckless teen Johnny Baptiste is set to live with her estranged. Aunt Hildy, which is played by Alicia Silverstone, on her 18th birthday. She experiences a radical metamorphosis, a family spell that redefines her called Foreverine. When several girls go missing at school, a feral Johnny hunts the perpetrator. So this is an odd little uh, hybrid of a movie because there's almost that serial killer, not quite slasher vibe going on to the to the overall story with the missing girls there's also this quite weird odd thing with the forevering that's going on uh, with johnny and aunt hildy and it doesn't ever really i don't think explain what she's becoming what johnny is and what aunt hildy is in this movie um, I would need to rewatch it, which I think I actually will rewatch this. And I would probably pick this up if they ever release it. I think I think they will. Um, it's definitely um, it's an odd one because it's got some dark black comedy um, in it, and it's got uh, it's just got a weird tone. And there's some really odd scenes when that metamorphosis happens or that forevering happens with a sort of kaleidoscope effect. Um, and, and there's a really interesting ending and there's this really odd thing that happens inside of a bed. And I just found it very intriguing and very cool. And uh, I don't know, I would recommend this. I think it was kind of cool. I think, I think it had some elements to it that I think over time, you know, could, could make it a cult, a cult classic. So um and, and the fact that Alicia Silverstone is in this playing a very uh, odd character as Aunt Hildy, I think some of you will get something out of this. And I think for me, this was like an eight out of 10, uh, pretty entertaining, pretty weird, kept me engaged. And uh, like I said, it's on Shutter, So check it out if you can or on AMC+. All right, so another one that I recently got to check out, uh, this one was on Paramount Plus, and I'd seen some people online watching it, uh, you know, the reactions to it, and uh, it kind of had me thinking, okay, so is this going to be like The Pale Door, which is kind of like a horror-western hybrid sort of thing? 
Um, and, and there's other horror Westerns out there. Uh, there's like Dead Birds is another one that uh, I quite enjoy. So I like when um, those two genres kind of mash into something else. Um, I think after watching the Oregon Trail, which I love the name because it's not Oregon Trail, it's Oregon Trail. Um, it's a it's a fun wordplay on that game from, I believe, the 80s. But, you know, it's... I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it to horror fans. It's very horror adjacent, I guess I would say. There is a horror element, but you wait a while, long into, I believe, a two-hour movie uh, for the horror to kick in. And it's a lot of real-world horror from that time. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd rush to rewatch it again, but, you know, um, live your life. So this stars Zoe DeGrand, Olivia Grace Applegate, Nicholas Logan, Sam Trammell. Uh, Sam Trammell, uh, he plays you know uh, a character in this that is um, quite quite the uh, the the villain, um, and he was also pretty awesome in True Blood, so you'll recognize his face. You can check this out if you have a Showtime subscription. It is on Hulu as well, um, and then obviously Paramount Plus. Um, so it's about Abigail and her family fall victim to a gang of ruthless cowboys while making their way across the Oregon Trail. As the only survivor, she does whatever it takes to retrieve her family's horse from the clutches of the bloodthirsty bandits. So there is that revenge element to it, like I mentioned. There is the villains in this are are pretty ruthless. The gang, of course, of cowboys. They are um, they're quite. Uh, they're quite the characters. Uh, again, you know, you got to wait a while for the horror. So for me, this was probably like a six out of 10, just because of the authenticity of them trying to recapture that time. Um, it, it looked and felt like an A24 movie at points. So a, a, a 24 period piece, I should say. So I think there were some things there that will be attractive to some of you out there. Um, so if you have Paramount Plus, you know, give it a give it a spin. All right. So the last movie that I got to check out uh, is one that recently dropped on Shutter. I've been really looking forward to this because uh, the director I really like. She directed um, the glorious movie. Um, which was, it's an odd, it's an odd setup because Glorious, it's like a glory hole cosmic horror movie. Um, this one, and, and the director is Rebecca McKendry. Um, this one is sort of the opposite. It kind of looks like some J-horror uh, when you watch the trailer. Uh, but essentially it's about a teen links the mysterious disappearance of his sister to a supernatural game that's played in elevators. I don't know if you know about the elevator game, but... Um, on Netflix, there is this documentary about a woman that is missing and you get to see the footage of her in the elevator and she goes up, she goes down, I think she keeps riding the elevator. And then when it opens, it looks like she's talking to somebody and then she's missing. And so you don't know what happened. And so I don't, I mean, there's so many instances uh, that could be influenced by the uh, the mythology with the elevator game. This movie built up through Rebecca McKendry and, and the writer. Um, you know, it's there's there's a there's a different 
backstory going on to this, of course, which I kind of appreciated that. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, it looks like David Ian McKendry wrote it uh, with Travis Cipolla. Um I don't know if it was as successful as a horror movie. There were some things about it I really enjoyed. Um, for the for a long mo- point in the movie, it's almost like a long first act with a very rushed climax. And that is unfortunate because in between, there's a lot of um, different sets of characters playing the elevator game. And so there's a lot of what you would think would be suspense building up to that. And then when there's the payoff, it kind of shies away, which I was kind of uh, surprised by. Um, the acting in it was a little, you know, kind of like teen-centered, uh, almost reminded me a little bit of like Wish Upon in a way, like that movie, if you've seen that movie. Um, not necessarily, I, I, I probably wouldn't rewatch this movie, uh, mainly because I found some of the elements just like, all right, so what's happening here? Is Are we just doing elevators and then, you know, people disperse and then there's like this haunting thing happening? Like, but it's not really, it's not what you think it's going to do. It just becomes a little redundant in that. And so I think there could have been some things switched around. I did like uh, parts of the climax, but it, again, it's kind of rushed. And it just has one of those endings that just kind of falls apart a little. Um so I don't know. I, I don't know if I would recommend it. I, I would say out of 10, maybe a five and a half out of 10, just for some interesting practical effects in it. Uh, there are some interesting moments that, um, from the ideas of where this entity resides, I think were cool. Had they been exploited a little bit? Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a rewatch and I'll think differently. But the ending really just did not work for me. Um, so... If you're on Shutter and you're looking for something to just kind of low-key watch, um, you know, check it out. But go in with pretty low expectations. And I actually lied because I said that was the last movie that I was going to talk about. But there is a movie that I actually bought, uh, blind bought recently that I'd been following for some time. And I wanted to check out. And it, did, it just kind of bypassed me in the theater. It was nowhere near where I was be able to to go check it out um but it's called cobweb and uh it is it stars lizzie kaplan anthony Starr, and cleopatra coleman pretty pretty small uh cast uh there's only really like two settings in this there's the house that it takes place in and then there's a schoolhouse um What's it about? Well, young Peter is plagued by a mysterious constant noise from inside his bedroom wall, a tapping that his parents insist is his imagination. As his fear intensifies, he starts to believe that his parents are hiding a terrible and dangerous secret. This is one that I'm quite surprised it didn't get a larger theatrical release. Um, Are there some issues with it? Yeah, I think so. I think there's got got some things to it that are a little ambiguous or, or maybe I would need to rewatch it again to get some clarity. I had to, I, I read one of the summaries uh, online to, to get some clarity. Cause I, maybe I missed it while I was watching it about what happens to a certain character, um, a character that's not shown in this more like flashback character. Um, so 
you know, that, that in itself can be an issue, but it's just an odd movie. Um, this is a directorial debut from Samuel Bowden, who brought us Marianne on Netflix. It's a one season series. And I love Marianne. And so I was really excited to check this out. Um, this was distributed by Lionsgate. And um, so, you know, it had the, I think maybe just the, the release date was maybe off. It was released in the summer. And this is set, you know, in on Halloween. So it's the vibe for Halloween is very um, persistent in the movie. Uh, there's, you know, jack-o'-lanterns, there's pumpkins everywhere. There's, there's decorations and the vibe, the fall vibe is there. Um, this is one that I'll probably end up pulling out next month in October and rewatching. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I watched on the Blu-ray the extras for how to, how they created certain, a certain character in this. And it was really awesome seeing um, the various prosthetics and the masks and the style that they used for it. And this is one that I think could end up on my best of 2023 list. Um, it was really, it was really odd, really fun, kind of quick. It just dumps you into the middle of what's happening. And it kind of just goes from there. And, 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 the performances are, are fantastic. Um, Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr. Um, Lizzie Kaplan famously plays um, the from Castle Rock. She plays Annie Wilkes in that prequel. She's also uh, the the big baddie in the I think it's the Amazon remake of Fatal Attraction. So she plays. Uh, the the villain in that uh, Anthony Starr plays a villain in uh, the boys as Homelander. Uh, both of them fantastic in this. Uh, really, their performances were very fun to watch. Um, I would love to see them in another movie together. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend Cobweb. This was uh, eight and a half out of ten for me. It was pretty strong. Easily could go up after a rewatch. Um, just fun for the spooky season. And if you're looking for that um, that new Halloween movie to add to your rotation. So I've gotten a lot out, a lot to recommend. Maybe some of those don't, you know, rush out to go see, but, you know, definitely, definitely check out a couple of those. Um, I recently got to finish a couple books. Uh, one was Breeder from Douglas Clegg. Near a thriving metropolis, a grotesque creature feeds in secret on its helpless prey. A happy young couple hoping to start a family moves into a decrepit townhouse and into the heart of a festering nightmare. The spawn of the damned is ready to burst open with unholy fury. This was originally published in 1990. It is uh, under horror, urban horror. So uh, if you're looking for something like that, I kind of uh appreciated the body horror in this there is some creature horror in this certainly um it's very gratuitous there's a lot of uh seedy sex in this um that i wasn't expecting uh but it is called breeder and it is about you know uh, uh, offspring a, a deadly offspring and there there are some descriptions about people having sex that are very gross and, and just make you want to shower afterwards. So uh, if you need that CD creature feature read in your life, then 
find a used copy of Breeder from Douglas Clegg. Um, he's a fun writer, and uh, he's one that I try to pick up any book I see of his in used bookstores. So check him out. All right. So the last recommendation is Halloween Party from Agatha Christie. This is being, uh, a, this was recently adapted as of this episode, uh, The Haunting in Venice, which uh, I looks very loosely adapted, uh, which is in theaters now. I have not got to check that out yet. I'm going to be checking that out this week. So look for that in the next episode on my thoughts on that. Um, this is about a teenager, excuse me, a teenage murder witness is drowned in a tub of apples at a Halloween party. Joyce, a hostile 13-year-old, boasts that she once witnessed a murder. When no one believes her, she storms off home. But within hours, her body is found still in the house, drowned in an apple-bobbing tub. That night, Hercule Perrault is called to find the evil presence, but first he must establish whether he is looking for a murderer or a double murderer. This was a really quick read. I read this over like two days, and it's just a fun, uh, I would say, horror-adjacent mystery. It takes place in Halloween. You're getting introduced to all of these CD characters. It's not my favorite Agatha Christie whodunit, uh, but I did like and appreciate that it is centered around a Halloween party. And there is a streak of nastiness to the motive of this, uh, these murders. And um, there is a horror element to it at the end that uh, I was quite surprised. So I'm curious as, as to how this will be adapted in A Haunting in Venice. Um, it The trailer does look nothing like what this is about, but it does look like it takes place on Halloween. So there is that. And I know some of the characters have been, you know, moved to the big screen. So I'm curious how it will play out, um, but I'm going to check that out. And uh, yeah, so that's really it for this episode loaded with some seasonal recommendations. Um, I have some movies that I'm going to be checking out and recommending on the next episode. One is called The Pumpkin Man and the other is called 1031 Part 3. From Both of those are from Scream Team releasing. They're physical releases that I'm going to check out and give you uh, the lowdown on when we meet again. And uh, aside from that, Next episode, I'm sure I'll be covering A Haunting in Venice, Saw X, Saw 10. So looking forward to that. And uh, The Exorcist Believer will most likely be there, along with tons of streaming things that will have already dropped by next month. So as always, thank you for reaching out. You can find me at Fatal Faller Presents a podcast on Facebook or Amino, and you can reach out to me at Fatal Faller Presents at Gmail. Stay safe, stay spooky, and get ready for trick-or-treating season. Bye-bye.